We welcome you to the media ministry of Denton Bible Church. If you'll open up there to that passage that, uh, wow, that is awesome. There it is. That passage that Jared read to you in Mark chapter 10. Um, <clears throat> I thank the Lord for rain. I grew up in West Texas. Did anybody else? Uh, you pray for rain. You pray for rain. The, the um, lake that my dad actually built the dam for, that's how our family got to the town. My wife grew up on that lake for 17 years. Uh, for 10 years, it was about 17%. It was, that was all. It was just low, low, low. Someone put a huge sign out there that said, please, Jesus, send rain. And uh, it was years and years and years. And finally, the rains came, and that, that uh, sign is underneath the water. And I told them, the people that put that out there, and I told the church uh, that I pastored at that time, I said, how many times did you pray driving across that, that uh, lake for rain? And people said, oh, I, I can't tell you, maybe hundreds. And I said, I'm going to ask you to do something you need to do. You need to pray and thank God now more times than you ask him for it. Do we do that sometimes? We pray and... And maybe not uh, thank him when he does it is not, uh, enough. Those 10 lepers in Jesus' day that he healed and uh, they took off. And one of them turned around, probably the least likely one, turned around to give glory to God. And Jesus said, where are the nine? So if God's answered your prayers lately, uh, just thank him more than you ask him. And you watch what happens. How many of you in your life have ever had a circumstance to where you could say, what a difference a day with the Lord makes. You've been in circumstances before, and you think, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. I don't know what's going to happen. What do I do? God, help me. I don't know what to do. And God really grants answers to your prayer. Uh, you know, sometimes we say he shows up. I, I'm not sure how theologically correct that is because God's already there. It's not like we have to call him and there's a, there's a bat signal, you know, in the sky in the shape of a cross and God sees it and he comes and he's here with us. But I want you to think with me tonight as we see this passage, what a difference a day with the Lord can make. The toughest circumstances you've ever been in your life, God can begin in one moment's time to turn it all around. And that's my goal and my prayer, studying and praying and preaching this passage here tonight. I don't know a lot of you. I know a lot of you, and I'm thankful you're here. Some of you I don't, but I'm glad that you're here. God brought you here. There's no doubt. And I pray for me first and all of us to be changed by having read this passage tonight. When we talk about what a difference the Lord makes, and he can make in a moment's time, we've got to deal with a, a subject that, uh, that many of us are very familiar with, and that's disappointments. <coughs> disappointments. Do you remember when your children were little, grandchildren were little, or somebody, maybe yourself? I don't remember too much when I was little. I don't know why that is. I think it was because of my older brother, uh, you know, the way he treated me. I learned a lot from my older brother how to treat my younger brother. Let me just put it that way. It wasn't always good, but I learned a lot. Do you remember, though, when, when a child, some of the first times he or she got disappointed? Uh, something he thought was going to happen, she thought was going to happen, and, and it didn't turn out, and oh, they're just crushed. And your heart hurts because you wanted it to work out well for them. I know when my daughter, uh, my daughter is just very, very intelligent in, uh, in elementary school. 
She was on the UIL spelling team. She was supposed to win it all, third or fourth grade. And because her name was Spencer, they put it in alphabetical order. Katie, if you're watching tonight, don't cry. I'm sorry. I cried enough for you during this time. Uh, but because uh, our name started with an S, they put her last in the order. Well, three of them were in the spelling contest, and the fourth one was the alternate. And we got a call from the principal and the teacher. We're sorry we can't change it. Katie's crying. We're so sorry. The other kid said, put Katie in there. And it was just one of those times she was disappointed. She was heartbroken. We were too. And waited for her to get home on the bus. Y'all know how that feels. We deal with disappointments. Some of you are sports people. Listen to this. Dirk Nowitzki. Y'all happen to know who he is in this country? <laughs> yeah. Did you know... He scored 30,000 points at the time of the, the writing of this. But his first game, he shot five field goals, and he, it, and he missed every one of them. Even he, as skilled as he was, had disappointments. It's like Babe Ruth, 714 home runs. Uh, you know how many times he struck out? 1,330 times. So with those accomplishments, there was a lot of disappointments. The Edison light bulb, I'm thinking about here. We've got all kinds of lights tonight. Edison invented uh, the light bulb. He made 1,000 unsuccessful attempts to make a light bulb. Somebody asked him, a reporter one time, uh, how did it fa feel to fail 1,000 times? And Edison said, I didn't fail 1,000 times. The light bulb was an invention with 1,000 steps. Pretty good thinking. How many of you know what WD-40 is? You know what it stands for? Water Displacement 40. You know why it's called 40? Because the first 39 attempts didn't work. And WD-40 came about. I was a basketball player, baseball player, uh, some football, but I was really, really little in school, so... Baseball was one of my loves. Basketball was truly. I spent way too many hours of my life growing up playing basketball on, in my backyard on a dirt court with a, a goal that I got out of our neighbor's uh, uh, garbage. And I took a ladder apart and nailed the two two by sixes together. And that was my, dug a hole, stuck it in the ground. And that was my basketball goal all the way through high school. Never had anything else. But I spent way too much time. God allowed me to do well in basketball, but I'll never forget, as a varsity basketball player, I was jumping up to rebound one time and I scored for the other team. <laughs> Tipped it in. Can you imagine how my friends treated me for years? And as they think about it, they still will this day. I scored for the other team. That's hard to do. It really is. We got disappointments. Those are similar, silly things. You've got probably some disappointments that are a lot bigger than that. In this passage, there's a man that I want you to step into his shoes. Would you try to do that with me tonight? Would you step in this man's shoes that's going to meet Jesus? Verse 46 says to us, Then they came to Jericho. Do you remember Jericho? You studied about it in Sunday school. You sang songs about it. Jericho had walls around it to protect them. If you've been in, in Jerusalem, uh, you've been in Israel, 
in other countries, they still have walls that are built around those cities. That was a major defense back then. If you had a wall around the city, it was huge. Most of the time when they built a stone wall around a city, they didn't have an opening where you could go directly through. They would make an opening where you had to stop and then turn left or right. That slowed the army or the attackers down, gave time for people to get in place to attack them if they were going to. Jericho had, uh, they tell us, three feet thick, I think the walls were. God said, I want you to destroy that city. God's not just picking on Jericho. They had rejected God and, and, and uh, were not worshiping God for 1,800 years, and God was going to judge them. And he told this little country, Israel, I want you to fight against them. It looked like insurmountable walls. You remember that story. They didn't have military weapons that you and I have today, but they had God. And God said, I want you to march around this city a certain number of times during the day. On the certain day, I want you to do it this number of times. Blow these trumpets. And when they simply obeyed him, that is not a wonderful uh, battle strategy. If you went to our commanders in the military today and, I, and said to them, if you're going to attack the enemy, all you have to do is walk around them. Just walk around them so many times. Blow some trumpets if you want to. And man, everything will just be in your favor. They're going to say, where are you from? <laughs> but we know what happened that day. God was in it. God caused the walls to fall down. Well, that's Bible. Can God call, cause walls to fall, down, to fall down today? Let's see. Let's see for this man. Then they came to Jericho, the place where the walls had fallen down before. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. Uh, names are important in the scripture. Your name's important. Maybe your parents uh, told you what your name meant or they thought your name meant. Do we not have some crazy names today? Oh my goodness. They're coming up with all kinds of things. Maybe after, after the service we can talk about some of them. Uh, I think about the parents doing that to their children. Oh my goodness. When you hear the word Bartimaeus, bar in the scripture in Greek talks about son. It means son. So bar mitzvah uh, in Hebrew for a, a, a boy meant son of the commandment. A 13-year-old Jewish boy was becoming a man. He was bar mitzvah commandment. He would be a son of the commandment and be able to um, take place, take uh, uh, his, his place in the worship services. Bar Timaeus means that he is son of Timaeus. Now, it's interesting. Timaeus, his dad, has a name. And if you look it up, most of the time it'll say it's honor. Timaeus means honor. But it's interesting, there's kind of a paradox here because Timaeus also means unclean. So I think that's just fitting. Here's a man named Bartimaeus, and we don't know which one he's going to be. He's going to be an honorable guy or he's going to be an unclean guy. We don't know until the story goes a little further. Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. What do we know about him so far? He's on the side of the road, he's blind, and he's begging. Will you be honest with me for a few moments? Maybe some of us have been in this circumstance before. When we see someone with a, car, uh, someone with a cardboard sign on I-35 or on, on Loop 288, whatever uh, street it is, do you have different thoughts go through your mind? Be honest. What do you think some people think? Well, if they had taken care of 
their situation better, they might not be there. Anybody ever thought that? Do you think that's fair to say? Uh, well, if they would work and get a job, they wouldn't have to beg for money. Do you think that goes through some people's minds? Let's just be honest. Others may think, well, I wonder what kind of struggles that they've had. I had a friend here in the church one day. She stopped and, uh, and rolled down the window uh, for a man to try to help him. And she looked in his eyes and she, and she said, I went to school with you. And she had him over their house, took care of him, did a lot of great things, she and her husband. So would, would you agree with me, though, when we see that, someone begging, there can be all reasons why, a lot of different reasons why they're in that circumstance. We don't know. We don't stand in judgment. But I'm sure it was the same way there in Israel. What's old Bartimaeus doing there? He's there every day. But the situation here he is in is different. He's blind. I've taught some lessons before where I ask everyone to come in a dark room, close their eyes, and not turn it on for about 10 minutes and ask them all to walk around and say hello to each other. We almost have to have uh, visits to the emergency room after that because it's hard to do. It's hard to do when you are completely unable to see. He's a beggar. We don't presume to judge why he is that way, but he's in need. When I was in Israel... Uh, I uh, was confronted with many people that were asking for help. There's still many of them on the side of the road. Do you think he had some disappointments? I can't imagine what it would be like to have lost your sight. I can't imagine what it would be like to be so hungry you had to beg on the side of the road. He had some disappointments also. And it says, when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene now, it's interesting. Evidently, he's never seen Jesus yet because it just says he heard about him. I heard Jesus the Nazarene is coming. He doesn't know him personally. And guys, one of the things that we need to make sure is, do you know him personally? You may be a young person here today and say, my mother was the most faithful Christian I have ever met. And you may think you're ready for heaven because of that. But you must realize your mom can't get you to heaven. Your dad can't get you. Your last name, who you run around with, there is no one that can get you to heaven except a personal relationship with Jesus. Children, oftentimes, my mother did that. She shared her faith with me. But there was a time when she knew I had to make those decisions. I had to call upon the name of the Lord. He was drawing me personally. And it didn't have anything to do with my mom. And I hope here tonight every one of you truly know Christ. It sounds cliche, but it is not religion. It's a relationship. And I came to know Christ at eight years old. I can't imagine where I would be if I was still here, if it were not for his grace and his mercy for me. This man's heard about Jesus. There's a lot of people heard about Jesus, but they have never trusted in him. And it says, as they get closer in this story that he heard that the Jesus of Nazarene was the, the Nazarene was coming that he began to cry out and say Jesus son of David have mercy on me and I believe very literally he was not being quiet about it this is a chance that he has he wouldn't be able to go find Jesus he can't see him but he's heard about him. Could it ever be that this one who was touching a man's hand that was withered and he healed him and raises Lazarus from the dead has healed other blind men? And could it be that somehow 
somehow in this time that he's close to me, something good could happen for me. I wonder how many times he'd ask, God help me, please help me. He began to cry out, and I believe it was loud. It's interesting what he cried out, Jesus, son of David. Now, this is telling us something about Bartimaeus a little bit. He's acknowledging Jesus as the one to come. The son of David is that prophet that would be from David's line who is going to be the king who would set up an eternal kingdom forever. This man has hope in the Messiah. And I believe that's very important to the passage in the text. Something's happening inside this man's heart. He's not just asking for something. God's not a genie in heaven and we rub a lamp three times and ask him. He's not a slot machine we pull down and God give me what I want. Churches that teach those kind of things are in error. But this man has a need, but he's got even a greater need that God's going to deal with in a moment. Have you cried out before? If you haven't, you will someday. You will someday. Some reason, some circumstance you find yourself in, you will cry out. Anybody got newborn babies at home? They don't have any problem crying out, do they? They can let you know they want something real, real quickly. But this man cried out for a different reason. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. When was the last time you were with someone and you could tell, uh, I stooped down in church this morning and I always, when I see this little girl, she's only about this tall. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Uh, she's always with the children's choir. She's faithful in church. She has never once had a bite of food in her mouth. She's been fed by a tube her whole life. She'll never be able to, to eat food and process that like you and I can. And every time I see that little girl who's got a smile on her face and, and is going through life with, with zest and zeal, I have to stop and I say, how are you today? It's sure good to see you. It's good to see you too. And I think about, I don't have anything to cry out about. I don't have any problems like this girl. Never had. Now think about that for a minute. Never had banana pudding. Logan, that's, not, that's pretty bad, isn't it? I'm a banana pudding person. And we used to in the church have potlucks. Y'all know what those are? Some places are really potluck. You don't know what you're getting. You got to be real careful. But there were two things I always wanted. I wanted banana pudding and deviled eggs. And I would always let everybody in the church and all the guests go first. So I was the preacher, so I was going to eat last. And you know what was gone when I always got through the line? <laughs> banana pudding and deviled eggs. But I have a real sweet little old group of ladies that know what I like. And every potluck, they would have a banana pudding bowl and a whole bunch of deviled eggs, and they'd put them up in the cupboards in the kitchen and lock it up so nobody could get them. And when I went through the line at the last, a miracle took place. There's banana pudding and deviled eggs. They are going to have a special place in heaven. I already know. They're going to be up there close. Uh, I don't know about deviled in the name. They may change the name of that. I don't know. Never tasting a bite of food. Can you imagine that? And yet this little girl's happy. 
her family, her mother had a beautiful smile on her face. Guys, if you're having a, any of those days where you think, woe is me, just come, come with us a little while. We'll go visit. And in a few minutes, we're all going to be saying, not woe is me. God, you've been so good to me. They see this man on the side of the road. He hears that Jesus, the Nazarene, probably a crowd's coming. You can hear that crowd. And he thinks, this is my opportunity. How many disappointments has this man known in his life? This is my opportunity. And he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What'd the world do? About the same thing they do today. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. I probably... Uh, you and I are probably going to see in our country, unless God does something, he can change it in one moment's time. One day with the Lord makes a big difference. But in our country, we're probably going to see more people antagonistic against the gospel than we've ever seen in our lifetime. And they're going to tell us to be quiet. They're going to tell us sternly. I saw a, an article with one of those young ladies, real attractive young lady that was won in the Olympics, and she gave a great testimony for Jesus. That ought to be all over the news. All over the news. This man cried out, Jesus, and they started telling him sternly, you be quiet. You don't have any reason doing that. Don't be crying out to him, whatever they may be doing. Same thing happening today in our government, in our schools, in our institutions. But you know what we need to do? We need to be just like Bartimaeus. Look what it says. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet. But he kept crying out all the more. I love that. That crowd that day was not going to stop this blind man from asking Jesus for help. And I know God loved it too. Men and women, young people, young adults, children, no matter where we're at, never be ashamed of Jesus. Never hold anything back. Now, don't act like an idiot using Jesus' name. That's kind of like the people that run you off the road on I-35 and they got honk if you love Jesus on a bumper sticker. Those two don't go together. But be like Bartimaeus. The world says be quiet and it says he just cried out louder. He just kept on going. He kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. You young people, did you know you have a commandment from God's word? Let no man despise your youth. I started speaking when I was real young, and I had people come and say, oh, you're too young, you're too young, you're not married yet, you can't do this. And that just really shows spiritual ignorance. I know I was young, but it's not supposed to be about the messenger, is it? It's supposed to be about the message. And if I just stood up there and read out of the Bible, and it's, it's true, it could be benefit, couldn't it? So here... He kept crying out all the more. And you young people, don't let anybody despise your youth. Be an example of who Paul writes to, to Timothy. He said, be an example, a young man that does the, the right things. When, when I had, uh, not long ago, a young man come to my home, and he had been dating my daughter for quite a while, and he uh, had had an interview for a big job that's his favorite thing to do in life if he gets that job, so we had to go through a polygraph test, and it was hours and hours. They tried to stump him every way he could, but he said, hey, can I come over? He doesn't even live in this town, but can I come over, and maybe we could go to lunch. You could show me the church, and could I talk to you about the polygraph test? 
And I thought, well, that sounds suspicious. And we, we talked about the church, and I brought him in here, and we talked all about the polygraph test. We had a good meal, good lunch, and then sitting in my office at home, this young man looked over there at me, and he said, I want you to know I'm here for another reason, too. I love your daughter, and I want to ask for her hand in marriage. Don't you know that that was such a blessing for me because this young man is a good young man. He loves the Lord. He's honest. He loves my daughter. He would provide and protect her and care for her. He's respectful to his now mother-in-law and his daddy-in-law. And most of all, he loves Jesus. You don't think a lot of prayers were answered and Holly and I were so excited? Now, I did say, oh, we already count you as part of the family, but I have a few things. And I went down and I told him those things. That's for another night. When I got through telling him what I expected of him as a son-in-law and how to take care of my daughter, he said, I promise you, the rest of my life, I will do every one of those things you've asked me to do. Wow. What a difference a day with the Lord makes. That was a difference in our family. We've never been the same. Don't let anybody despise your youth. You young people are valuable. You are important. God could use you to turn this country around. And I know he's already using you for many things. I would say one other thing. If you visit in prisons and jails sometimes, you know one of the major problems there, when you share the gospel with people incarcerated, many of them think they can't be forgiven. You ever come across that before? You don't know what I've done, Mike. You don't know where I've been. You don't know who I've hurt. I can't, I can't be forgiven. God can't forgive me. And it's a pleasure to walk with them through the scripture. Take them down the road to Damascus with the apostle Paul, a murderer. And say, you murdered anybody? Some of them have. Don't ask too many questions. Here's a murderer, but he got saved. Turned out to be one of the best Christians he ever had. Really? He didn't, start, he didn't murder people anymore. His life changed. That's the business Jesus is in. I can just picture this man. I believe he's going to be in heaven. You and I will be able to talk to him. Bartimaeus, I heard Jesus was coming. He's probably hungry. He probably hasn't bathed. He probably doesn't have very good clothes on. He probably doesn't have any help. Maybe people have gotten tired of tripping over him or seeing him there, but he has an opportunity. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You want a great study in the scripture? Look at verse 49. And Jesus stopped. You ever thought about that? Every time in the gospels when Jesus stopped what he was doing, where he was going, something good is about to happen. He's going to help heal somebody. And a woman presses through the crowd and she touches the hem of his garment. And it says, Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? Isn't that good? Jesus will stop for you tonight too. If there's anybody that came in here, maybe you're a guest, first time you've ever been here, we have no idea. Maybe you came for a wrong reason. Somebody made you come. I, I met a guy one Sunday morning, glad you're here. Well, you won't be in a minute. I said, yeah, I'm glad you're here. He said, I'm an atheist, and I'm here to argue the other side. And I said, good. He looked at me like, who is this guy? I said, good. God loves an honest person. You're being honest. And we had lunch together, and I pray he's going to trust in Christ soon. But Jesus stopped 
I bet you he stopped before, for you before too. Jesus stopped and said, call him here. Now, all the people that he could have said, I want to talk to this person, this person, this person. There's a crowd around. He could have said, there's a nice person over there. I want to talk to that person. Hey, you uh, officials of the town, you government people, you priests, whoever. He could have said all that. But he heard the voice of a man calling out, crying out to him. And he said, call him here. Look what happened next. They called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling you. Now there's a lot of things in that. He had to have courage to stand up because now everybody's going to be looking at him. Jesus is calling you. I'm not going to try to read anything into that, but my goodness, folks, none of us are saved unless he does the same for us. He has to call us. We don't call him and get it all done. Yes, we need to call out to Christ, but if he calls out to us, that's where that salvation begins. Look what happened in verse 50. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and came to Jesus. Now, don't forget, this man's blind. I really believe this is so cool. He heard Jesus' voice. How important is that? You go call him. You tell him to come here. He grabs his coat and he throws it away. He doesn't need that now because he's going some better place. And he takes off toward Jesus. How does he know where to go? He can't see. This just reminds me again. It's not up to us to find Jesus. It's not this man's skill. He didn't have radar. He does not have super sensitive hearing that he can see the sound waves and feel the sound. He just took his coat off and started going. And sometimes Jesus calls us to do the same thing. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in our livelihood, in our family, in our job, in our country, in our church, whatever it may be, our health situation. We don't know what tomorrow holds. He just says, get up, dress up, show up, and get going. I love it. That man threw his coat off, and he's going to go find Jesus. Jesus says those great words that we read in the passage last week. Verse 51, in answering him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I ask you to look at a different inflection on every one of those words last week. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do for you? When you look at the different words and put an inflection on that, what all is in that phrase, that question, Jesus? What do you want me to do for you? What if Jesus in this place here tonight said that to you? What would your answer be? Well, notice his. What would you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, I want to regain my sight. We get an insight right there. Evidently, he's not been blind his whole life. I want to regain my sight. I don't know which is worse. I have uh, seen and known people that were never born, uh, never blind. They were born blind. Never been able to see born blind. And then I've known other people that we had a girl here in our church and I first met her 10 years ago. Great young couple. And, uh, you know, her husband told me, well, she'll be blind in a few years. She's losing her sight. So I don't know what would be worse, never having seen a sunrise, never seeing a little baby, never seeing a spouse, how pretty your wife is. I don't know. Or having seen that before and lost it. 
But he said, Rabbi, teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, and I want you to think about that. How many disappointments had this man had in his, his life? Had he been by the pool of Siloam, you remember, where the first person that gets in there, the Bible says, they stirred the water, an angel stirred the water, and the first person in there got healed. I wonder if he'd ever been there before, but he never got to be first. Somebody else got there before he did. I wonder if his teachers made fun of him because of his, uh, his, his uh, incapacities. I wonder if his family had disowned him because they didn't want to take care of him. We don't know. But there's no doubt this man had a lot of disappointments in his life. And I just want to encourage you here tonight. You may be sitting right now in a pit of disappointment. You may have scored a basket for the other team. God can make something good out of that. He can make something good out of Our disappointments are God's appointments. You've been interrupted lately? I had some things happen to me in the last couple of weeks that were unforeseen, one right after another, and I just looked up to heaven and said, God, you must be working in this because there were, you know what an audible is. You have to audible at the line of scrimmage because you can't run the play. You had planned to play to run. You got to run something different. But you know what? God is in the interruptions. Nothing can take place without his will, plan, blessing, power, and purpose. So if he's really in control, he had to let that come. Chuck Swindoll says that just like you use a PO, a purchase order in your business, nothing can come your way except it passes through the hands of the Heavenly Father and he stamps it okay. Doesn't that make it better? Doesn't that make you see in a different perspective? This man, oh, teacher, if I could regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. Jesus didn't say you're making yourself well. It's inside of you to heal yourself. He said, God, because you have believed in faith the way and acted in faith the way you have, <coughs> you're going to know the blessing of Almighty God. You can go and your faith has made you well. By the way, that's the way Jesus healed people. He healed people immediately. It wasn't over time most of the time. It was immediately showing it was the power of God and not something we did. And it says immediately. That's number 36 as you've been studying in the book of Mark, by the way. 36 times Mark used that word. Immediately he regained his sight and notice what happened and began following him, began following Jesus on the road. Our circumstances can literally change in one moment's time but we are changed by the power of Christ and people who have truly been changed by the power of Christ want to follow him. They want to follow him wherever he was going. Stories told of a man who wrote an old hymn a long time ago and it was a hymn of faith. And uh, I can look it up and tell you who it was if you'd like to me to later. It was a hymn of faith and it was a hymn of trusting God throughout all the difficult times. And uh, a woman was in the big city. She had, uh, back in carriage and buggy days, she had held a taxi that we would call today a cab, carriage and a buggy. And um, another man needed that also. And she said, sir, why don't you come? We'll, we'll share one. 
And she was headed to some place uh, that night, dressed real nicely, and she began to talk about the Lord and how wonderful he is and how faithful he is and how she loved Jesus, and the man just hung his head. She actually quoted some of the hymn that he had written years before, and he hung his head again. And before he got out of the, the carriage, he told her who he was. Yes, I wrote those words of that hymn many years ago, but I have not been living the way I wrote those words. Ooh, wouldn't that have been a heartbreak for that man to be in that circumstance? I believe our steps are ordered by the Lord, do you? That God allowed that to happen just for a very perfect purpose. And that woman, before that man got out of the carriage, said, but the very next verse that you wrote tells what you need to do and it was confidence in returning to the Lord and repenting and following Jesus and getting over the hump and it gave him courage to walk with Jesus the rest of his life. Whatever you may be facing today, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, familially, no matter what it is, there's nothing that Jesus can't change in one moment's time. That doesn't mean it's all fixed doesn't mean you'll never have a problem again, but it means that he can, in one moment's time, change the trajectory, whatever that word is, of all your life, trajectory of all your life, puts you on a different path. And those disappointments that you've lived with for a while, you can turn and say, though the fig tree should not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the stall, shall, the olive shall fail. The field shall produce no food, though the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. He just described a bad situation. Everything that could go bad had gone bad. And yet, in this beautiful example in the scripture, it said, yet, in any case, I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he's made me like feet like hind's feet, that's a deer, and makes me walk in my high places. You know what this writer of that portion of Scripture is meaning? I don't care if there's not any calves in the stall. I don't care if there's not any crops in the field. I don't care about those things. I can still rejoice that God's my Savior. Now I want to close tonight asking you to think about blind Bartimaeus. Wasn't that a wonderful day? He gets his sight given back to him, and I'll guarantee you, the rest of his life, he went telling people, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. His disappointments were God's appointments, and God changed everything. What a difference a day with Jesus makes. But I want to tell you, your life can change in one moment's time, one second's time. I've sat in pews like you are, chairs like you are tonight, and I've seen people that need to come and pray with somebody if you don't know Jesus or you may be going through some tough, you want another person to pray with you or listen to you. Logan's right up here. He's one of our pastors. I'll stay here with you. Jared's back there. We will. You want to talk to a lady. Here's a godly woman right here. Many of them around. You come tonight. Don't let us just have read this passage. Chalk it off. I went to evening service and tomorrow's Monday. Tomorrow may never come. Your life could change for the good because Jesus can do anything. What a difference he made. But it also could change in another way in a, in a moment's time. I was in my pickup one time driving down the road in my hometown. 
and I saw an old Camaro. I mean, excuse me, it was an old, uh, um, what was it? It wasn't a Camaro. Cor- Corvette, an old Corvette. You know how beautiful they were? Oh, my goodness. I think they had like a four, uh, 407 or a, a 442 or something in them. Great big engine. Well, he's pulling up. They're in front of me. He's in this lane, and a pickup's in this lane, and they start racing. And I, I wanted to tell that, pick, that guy in that pickup, that Chevrolet pickup, you just better quit because I know what's in that, that Corvette, and you're not going to do well in this race, I can already tell you. But this young man and a friend of his were in that Corvette, and right when the pickup started to race, evidently he punched the accelerator, and that big of an engine has a lot of torque. And I watched right in front of my eyes that old Corvette, when he punched it, it, it went airborne, and it went just like this, and it turned like this in front of that man's pickup on the major highway and crashed over on the side of the road leaning up against a, bar, uh, a uh, chain link fence. I saw it and it happened in about two seconds. And it just I was overcome with the fact that our life can change instantly. We never know what tomorrow will hold. We never know. Before I get home, I'm 10 minutes away from my home. I never know what would happen. But just like this man right here, he wouldn't stop crying out to Jesus, even though the world told him to. Even though he had disappointments much of his life, probably, he cried out to the one who can make a difference. And I believe he followed him the rest of the days of his life. You and I can do that same thing. That car's upside down. There's all kinds of gas leaking out of it. I run over there, stop my pickup, run over. I'm on the other side of the chain link fence because it's right up next to the driver's side. His window is down. They're kind of stunned. Uh, they're not unconscious, but they're in shock. And I see that gasoline pouring out, you know, and I, I don't know what to do other than I started taking that chain link fence apart by my hand with my hands. Do you know how hard that is? This wired together. And so I yelled at somebody, bring me some pliers. And in the meantime, I'm sitting there trying to pull this fence down and grab this guy and pull him out of this Corvette. And about a 25-year-old young lady comes over there, and she grabs that fence and just pulls it off of there. And I'm thinking, who are you? Is this Wonder Woman that has come back before they had the movie again? And, and she just went into to, uh, uh, rescue mode. And it's a friend of mine. I mean, I know their family real well. But evidently, God just gave this woman, this young lady, this courage. She's a first responder type person. And man, she was getting that fence off just as fast as I was. And those guys are kind of looking at me. And I said, young man, I got to get you out of this car because that's gasoline that's leaking. And I don't know what's going to happen. He caught that, that, that message. And we grabbed him and pulled him out. I'm still in awe about this girl, how strong she is and ready to help. And we got him out and got the other man out, and they were okay. I say all that to say their lives changed in one second. They're okay. I pray they come to know Jesus if they didn't. I went and told that girl, young lady's parents, she was awesome. If I have a wreck, I want her around somewhere. You don't need the jaws of life. This girl was something. 
but I'm confronted with the fact my life could change in a moment's time. One phone call, one doctor's report. But we got a good God. And we come to church because we've got a good God. And whether there's 100 people here tonight or 100,000, it wouldn't make any difference. The same Savior that blind Bartimaeus cried out to, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me, is here with us tonight. Aren't you glad? This is his letter to you and me. He loves us. Do you ever get her love letter? If my wife is watching tonight, there's going to be a red light coming through the, the camera or something. When she went to college, I wrote her one letter. She still has it. One letter when she was in college. And she still married me. Can you believe that? Your disappointments can be God's appointments. If you want somebody to pray with you tonight, it'd be a privilege. Because what a difference a day with the Lord makes. Let's pray. Joel, as you bring your crew together to lead us in our closing hymn in a moment, I hope that we're all confronted with the fact that just like this blind man had a great need, you may say, well, I'm not blind and I'm not deaf and I'm not hungry and I'm not begging on the side of the road and I'm not this and this and this. But no matter who you are and what you are, you still have a greater need and that need is for you to be saved. A man in the Bible was wealthy and Economy was good, and he was doing so well. He said, I don't have enough room to put all the things that I have done and all of my goods. I, don't have, I tell you what I'll do. I'm going to build bigger barns so that I can store all of my stuff. And Jesus says in the parable to him that God came and said to him, you're a fool. Tonight, your soul is required of you. And whose will be all that stuff? So I just ask you here tonight, do you love Jesus? Have you cried out to him and heard him crying out to you? And regardless of what the world said or your family said, you just kept crying out to him and he did a work in your life? Tell somebody before you leave. Take time to say hello to someone maybe you haven't ever met. You may be the difference in that person's life before you leave this room. If you're listening online here tonight, wherever you are, in, in the quietness of your own home, or maybe you're, you're listening somewhere else because you don't have a home, Jesus can hear your call wherever you are. Father, I thank you for a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, and I pray that we can sit down with him in heaven one day and hear the great, great message of what you did in his life. Thank you for your word, we pray in Jesus' name.